Amen. Amen. Open your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 13, the Gospel of Luke chapter 13. Today, Calvary Baptist Church, I have some bad news and I have some good news. And the good news is only good news in light of the bad news. However, the truth is today, many aren't receiving the good news because a whole lot of folks aren't hearing the bad news. And all of that proves as untrue the old statement that no news is good news. And so today, in order to fully have us rejoice in the good news, today I'm going to preach to you the bad news. Now you may say, somebody needs to go get that old pulpit back. He's lost his mind. Here we go today. Hear this today. The bad news is hell is real. Hell is real. But the good news is because of Jesus Christ, You don't have to go there. We're going to be today in Luke chapter 13, today verses 28 through 30. Our message today is entitled, A Seat at the Table. A Seat at the Table. Again, Luke chapter 13, today verses 28 through 30. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 13, today beginning here in verse 28 says this, Jesus is speaking, Jesus continues on, he says this, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out. And they will come from the east and the west and from north and south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. I'm thankful for you, my risen and resurrected Savior. I'm thankful for you as as the one who came and showed me grace upon grace, most of all through the cross of Calvary, securing my redemption. We come today, and I'm thankful that because of that, we come with the good news that in Christ, because our record of wrongs has been nailed to the cross, that today we stand here, and I, and I pray that that's impressed upon our heart, we stand here as Christians, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. We come today, and I'm thankful for the, the good news, but I know that you have to contrast it and compare it to the truth of the bad news. And so I pray today that you would speak, that you would lead. I pray that this church would grow as disciples. I pray For some here that do not know Christ, that today they might put their faith in Jesus Christ. We come today and tell you we love you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today I have noticed, and maybe you have as well, but I have noticed today that there is being preached today, there is being proclaimed a lopsided gospel really a one-sided gospel. Now, what I mean by that really is this. For whatever reason today, it appears that only half of the gospel of Jesus Christ many times 
is being presented. And you can listen to Christian radio. You can go and watch different churches on the, on the internet or however you're going to do that. But it seems many times today only half of the gospel of Jesus Christ is being presented. You see, and be sure and get this today. To understand salvation, you have to firmly grasp sin. And yet today, sin is not being preached. You see, today, to understand redemption, you have to to fully grasp condemnation. And yet guilt and condemnation for our sin is not being preached today. You see, in order for us to to understand and to appreciate God's grace and and thank God for his grace, praise God for his grace, but to, to understand God's grace, you really have to understand God's judgment. And yet the judgment of God is not being preached today. And to understand mercy, the awesome mercy of God, you have to really understand and grasp the wrath of God towards sin. And I'll just tell you for sure, nobody wants today to preach about the wrath of God towards sin. Nobody wants to say today that God is wrathful towards sin. Today, to hope and to revel in the awesomeness of heaven, you have to grasp and you have to be sure of the reality of hell. And maybe it's in order to fill up churches today, maybe it's an attempt to, to not offend anybody today. Maybe it's just biblical ignorance. For sure, it's preaching malpractice. But few today, if you'll listen, are the sermons on hell. One of the things about preaching expositorily, preaching through verses... When you do that, when you commit to do that, as we have committed to do, when you preach through verses, you do not get to cherry pick your topics. We do not get to cherry pick our topics. And we have to see and we have to study the full counsel of God's word as we come across it, as it is presented. And that's the truth. Let me tell you something this morning about this big pulpit up here. Today... People who study the church, I'm telling you the truth, people who study the church, people who evaluate the modern church today, people who think about things like the dynamics of the preaching experience, people who think about things such as issues in contemporary preaching, today they have decided and they have stated that to be effective in 2016, to be Relative in 2016 to be relatable to your people, you either need, and this is a true story, you either need a smaller pulpit or you need to remove the pulpit altogether. And that's what they're saying today. And many of these guys are going to, a, to nothing or a little stand or a little round table there where they've got their coffee mug on and their, their water bottle on it, and that's okay. But that's the thought today. If you're going to be relevant, if you're going to be able to reach people today, you're going to need to, to have a smaller pulpit or remove the pulpit. I was, I was at a conference in January, in one of the sessions there, I heard that message. And they're talking about ways that preachers can connect in the modern world. And, and for sure, we do not want to be dumb and close our ears, but, but ways that we can connect. And that was, that was one of the things they talked about, the, the need to do away with the pulpit or have a smaller pulpit. I thought, you know what? I love my pulpit. I like my pulpit. And I came home, and I came in here in the auditorium, and I looked at my pulpit. 
And I thought, you know what? I, I want to be relevant. Yeah, I want to be relevant. I want to be relatable. Nobody wants to be a preacher that no one can relate to. I want to be relatable to my, to my people. And they said, you know what? A, a big wooden pulpit, that seems dogmatic. And that seems today legalistic. And it seems old-fashioned. And it puts a barrier between you and your people. And, and it doesn't feel like a conversation is going on when you got this big old pulpit. And I just sat there looking at my pulpit. And I came out, and when I had saved up enough money, I called Kevin, and I ordered a bigger pulpit. <laughs> Listen to me. You see, it's not the preacher that you need to see. It is the word of God that you need to hear. It is not relevant in 2016 that we need. It is the timeless, ageless truth of the word of God that we need to hear. And I want anybody when they come into Calvary Baptist Church to be able to see very clearly this church is gonna preach the living and active truth of the word of God. And I'm not up here to sip coffee. I'll do that the rest of the week. I'm here to preach the truth of God's word. And then today, as we move through Luke chapter 13, in my first Sunday in the big unpopular pulpit, how ironic that the verses are on hell. A double whammy of unpopular. Today, let's look at our verses, beginning here in verse 28. Jesus continues and he says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out. Now remember here in verse 28, Jesus has been telling them the good news of the kingdom of God. He's been telling them there is a way to the kingdom, the truth of the gospel. There is a way to forgiveness. There is a way to have peace with God. There is a way to have eternal life and it is through him. That's his message all the way through the gospel of Luke. He is the Messiah. He is the savior come to save mankind from their sins. He has told them it is gonna be through him and then last week he said it'll be through him alone. He is the narrow door. Now, Lest we start to think this is all about the bad news, understand, no, it's about the good news. That message is good news. But in order for us to, to grasp and to, to receive the good news, we have to hear the truth about the bad news. And so Jesus proclaims the truth of verse 28. Listen to this again. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out. I wanna show you three truths here in verse 28. Now I'm gonna start at the bottom of verse 28 and I'm gonna work my way back up through verse 28. But I wanna show us three things here in verse 28. Now the first thing I want us to see today is this. Unbelievers are not welcome in the kingdom of God. In fact, unbelievers do not have access to the kingdom of God. And that's why the verse says, you know what? They're thrown out. That's the reality of it. You sit here and say, well, 
You mean unbelief in Jesus as the door? That's going to keep you from heaven? For sure it's going to keep you from heaven. You say, well, a loving God would actually judge an unbeliever? Be certain of it. You, you say, well, the good news of Jesus is set opposite to the reality of hell? Jesus said that. The truth is, unbelievers have no access to the kingdom of God. Let me just tell you something. That ought to scare us. That ought to make us urgent in our prayer life. That ought to make us urgent in our, in our evangelistic focus. Those outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ do not, will not have access to the kingdom of God. That's the first truth. Second truth of verse 28 is this. The terribleness of hell will be even worse when you realize what you missed in heaven. Now follow with me for just a second. The terribleness of hell will be even worse when you realize what you missed in heaven. These people, they didn't believe and so the Bible says they were thrown out. And then as they're thrown out, they see the awesomeness of what's going on in heaven. Now think about that for just a second today. They are in hell, and yet they see Abraham, who was a sinner like they were, but he was justified by belief. He was justified by faith. He's in heaven. They see that. They, they see Isaac and they see Jacob and they were, they were sinners just like they were and they understand that, but they were justified by their belief. They were justified by faith. And so they're in hell, but they see them in heaven. They see all these prophets of God and, and all these prophets of God, they suffered year after year and they suffered across all these years, but they're not suffering now. They're in glory and they see them there. And they see the awesomeness of heaven. And they are in hell. Someone said, as terrible as hell is, the worst part of hell will be regret. The worst part of hell will be Regret, oh, there was a way, oh, there was a way, oh, the Father in his tremendous love gave his only begotten Son, oh, Jesus in tremendous grace, they made a way for me, they made a way to the cross of Calvary, and I rejected it. There was a way, and I missed it, and they're going to be filled with regret upon regret. How terrible. Third thing we see, the third truth we see in verse 28, and we're working our way back to the top, is the seriousness of hell. The seriousness of hell. Now, let me just tell you, you want to know why nobody preaches on hell? This is why they do not do it. Look at the first part of verse 28 again. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In that place, now I'm not sure we can fully understand the seriousness of that, but try to, try to get the picture here. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I went and tried to look up the, the, the original meaning of that word weeping here, it's more than just tears that are falling. It's more than just a period of crying. It is deep, grieved weeping. It is, it is weeping that is, that is prompted by grief and sorrow and remorse in the core of your soul. It's weeping that comes from a crushed heart. Have you ever really wept 
the core of your soul and, and you're broken and you wailed out. Have you ever just wept? And that's the reality of hell. Remorse, regret, grief, and it's evidenced by weeping. Then it says the gnashing of teeth. It really translates the grinding of teeth. In hell, there's the gnashing, the grinding of teeth. If you were to go to hell, if you were to visit hell, you would hear the evidence. You would hear the gnashing, the grinding of teeth. Now, again, I, I looked for that. I wanted to find the best meaning of that. Think about this, and this is what it means. You grind your teeth in agony in unbearable, gut-wrenching pain. And that's, that's what it's talking about, in, in physical pain, in tremendous, unbearable, gut-wrenching pain, and the pain doesn't ease up, and the pain doesn't get any better, and there's nothing you can do to relieve it, and so all you can do is sit there, and as you cry and as you weep, all you can do is shake and grind your teeth. That's the picture that Jesus says is hell. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said if he could take somebody and he could dangle them over hell for 24 hours for one day so that they could see the reality that awaits those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, those who do not know Jesus Christ, he says he could, he could build an evangelistic army. Let me tell you something, if we believe the truth of what hell really is, I'm going to tell you something, our churches would be filled, and not with people that just came out of duty, but of people that, that knew we had relief in the grace of Jesus Christ, and they came to worship him. Our church would be filled with people that came and said, you know what, I, I'm tired of, of the grind of this life, and I'm tired of the guilt and the, the condemnation of sin, but more than that, I don't want to go to such a place as that. Somebody please tell me about Jesus. If we could catch a picture of that, we would be burdened. We would be burdened for lost people. Our prayers would be urgent. And the truth is, hell is horrible. It is terrible. And it is real. Look at verse 29. And they will come from the east and the west and from north and south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Now this, this verse changes the tone, especially for us today, but it says, and they will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Now the verse 29, the point of it is this, and really it's good news for all people, but it's especially good news for us. He is talking to these Jews and these Jews thought that they alone would be saved. They thought, you know what? Because of who we are, because of our status as God's people, we alone will be saved. Well, Jesus says, no, people are going to be saved from all directions. The promise the same was the same to Abraham. All the world is going to be blessed through him. All directions, all peoples, some of them will find peace through Jesus Christ. Now, that's talking about us. People from all around the world will be saved through the narrow door. So he tells them, you know what? Here's a real picture of hell. This is what it looks like. And he says, you know what? You're not the only ones that are going to be saved. You're only going to be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But he says, they're going to come from all parts of the world through this narrow door. Now I want to point something out here because I, 
it's a big deal to me, and I couldn't get over it. Sometimes we just need good news. You know that? Sometimes we just need to hear the good news. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to tell you the bad news. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to do an exclusion to the bad news. But sometimes we just need a picture of the good news. Well, here in verse 29, as I read across this, and I'm sitting here thinking, man, I'm going to preach a, a sermon about gnashing of teeth and wailing because of regret. But I come across verse 29, and, and I don't, do not want to move on without painting you the picture of the good news. It says, they, these that come from all areas, they will recline at the table. Understand, in this culture, the table was a place of fellowship. The table was a place of family. The table was a place of friend of friends and friendship. It was, a, it was a festive place. And when you get to the table, there's, there's enjoyment going on and there's good food to be eaten and people are, are talking and there's conversations going on there at the table and there's, there's a, a lively discussion going on and there's laughing going on at the table. And when you're at the table, we're all together. And Jesus says here, look at the picture, through belief in him from all these different directions, when you put your faith in Christ, we're gonna sit one day at a table that we didn't sit. We're gonna eat a feast that we didn't secure. We're gonna sit in a chair that we didn't deserve. We're gonna sit in a place that we didn't earn. And we're gonna sit with our loved ones, these people who've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. And we're gonna sit with our Lord and there we're gonna recline at the table. Do you see the picture? We got a seat at the table. We're gonna fellowship at the table. I was looking at this this week. My dad's going to be there. We're going to sit and we're going to celebrate at this table. Woo, we got a place at the table. Let me tell you something. Life can be hard and sometimes it's tough. And sometimes I don't know, you know, I don't know how we're going we're gonna to find any happiness at all. You want to see true happiness? You find me at the Lord's table and you're going to find happiness. We've got a place at the table. Verse 30. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Now, verse 30 is a very interesting verse. It means this. These Jews thought that they were going to be first, and that's, that's really the context. Some of these people here, they're going to be last, but we're going to be first. They thought these sorry Gentiles, they're going to for sure be last, but Jesus says, you know what? Some of them are going to be first. What that means is this. Listen to this. This is good news. It's not about status. It's not about reputation. It's not about your pedigree. It's not about your lineage. It's not about who your, who your grandmother was. It's not about how much wealth you have. It's not about the esteem that you have in the culture. That's what he's saying. You know what? It's all about faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about status. So today you've heard the bad news. Hell is horrible. Hell is terrible. It is real. And so now you can respond to the good news. You do not have to go there because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful for you. And I come and I read this verse and I'm thankful, first of all, that, that you tell us the truth about hell. It would not be love to let us plow blindly into it. 
You love us enough to tell us the truth. I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for the truth that from all parts of the world, it wasn't just for a select set of people, that you're not a, a, a person that recognizes status, that it's not upon our reputation, it's not about what others think about us, it's not about our pedigree and our bank account, but it's by faith in Jesus Christ alone. I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful that the picture that you paint is this. We're going to be together, and we're going to feast at the Lord's table. I pray today that you've spoken. Pray today that we wouldn't be able to close our eyes to the reality of the, the bad news. But pray that more than ever we would have a, a great love and a passion for the good news. We love you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.